Hi, Paul Friedman here with The Marriage Show from The Marriage Foundation. Today's topic is kind of cool. It's very important for people. It's what's the best way to improve your marriage? I mean, this is a very common question. And co-host David Cruz, what do you say about that? What's the best way to improve your marriage? Well, I'm going to be, as, as always, Paul, with these podcasts, I'm always interested to see where you take this. You know, I think everybody can improve their marriage. No marriage is perfect. I feel like I'm in a real good one. I feel like I'm in a great one. Uh, she's not going to like that I said real good one, but uh, because it is, a, it is a great <laughs> one. But, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't mean that you should stop to try to improve it no matter how good your marriage is. And, and especially there's a lot of people who are suffering in some bad marriages, and I know that... Um, I've uh, I've been one of those people yeah, in my life. So um, let's see where this takes us with you. Okay, David, thank you. And, you know, I like the topic, what's the best way to improve your marriage? Because when people write to us at the Marriage Foundation, by the way, listeners, you can too. Just go to themarriagefoundation.org and you could click on the link and uh, for Ask a Counselor. Or you could call us, call 1-855-527-5863. So either way, write or call, it doesn't matter. We love your questions and we love these interesting kind of questions where it really gives us an opportunity to distinguish ourselves from the normal world out there of Western psychological approach to marriage. So let's get right into this. What's the best way to improve your marriage? Let's kind of list it. So what is number one? David, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quiz you on this. What do you think is the most important thing to do if you want to improve your marriage? And I know you've got a great marriage, but let's take a look at this as... Every marriage can be improved. So, you know, why not? The first thought that comes into my mind, Paul, is try. Try. Okay. Just, I mean, have, okay. have the mindset that you want to, to do it yourself, that you want to try. Well, David, we've been friends for a really long time, best friends, and I hate to tell you, but trying's not enough. <laughs> no, but you asked, <laughs> because, you, you asked me, like, what's, where, where would you I was setting you up. <laughs> where would you? I set you, you said, up, Where man. would you start? And I thought, well, I think if you're not going to, if you're not willing to try at all, um, you know, where is it going to take you? But okay, go ahead. So yeah. let, let's talk about trying. And you know what pops into my head it is very interesting. When I was a little kid, um, I can remember I lived in Hartford, Connecticut, and I lived on Lenox Street. Can you imagine that here I am and looking all the way back to when I was six years old? And I saw Superman on TV. And I thought, I can do that. So I got a towel, I tied it around my neck, I had my cape, and I jumped off the porch, and I made all the conscious determination I could muster. And you know what? It didn't work. <laughs> and I tried, David. I really no, tried. You know, I, I, I'm going to interrupt your story because I want you to continue with this, but I can... I also had that as a kid with Superman. I think we did watch it, and 
we tried to emulate it. And I do remember being, I'm going to say, about four or five years old. And it was one of the first memories I had. We were in a home on our block that was being built. So there was no, there was just the foundation and the structure of the home. And we went into it. And I was sitting on the first floor um, with a, a drop to the dirt in the basement. And there were no Uh-oh. stairs, no nothing, just a drop <laughs> to the dirt. And I remember thinking to myself, Uh-oh. oh, I'm going to be Superman right here. I'm going to be I Superman. Jumped, and I yep. jumped and I dove like Superman would and went straight down to the ground. I was four or five years old. I bounced up mm-hmm. like a bug and uh, climbed out the window. And <laughs> I was fine as can be. A super But I bug. do remember, uh-huh. yeah, that was... I wonder how many people got injured because of Superman as kids um, when we were little. But okay, go ahead with your story. But that's true. Well, look how good this, look how well this illustrates the point of trying isn't enough. Why isn't it enough? It's not that you shouldn't try. You have to try because that means you're putting effort into something. However, If you knew what you were doing, your effort would bear positive results. And so the number one uh, mission really should be to learn about marriage. People just don't know the first thing about marriage because we've grown up in a world where we have accepted, literally we've accepted a divorce rate of over 50%. And we've accepted that even if your marriage is going, it could be, uh, it's okay. You know, you ask people, how's your marriage? Yeah, hey, it's okay. What do you expect? I, yeah, so, I don't think there are statistics, Paul, that show how many people are in bad marriages. I, I just don't think. And, exactly. And even if they were, I don't know that I trust it, but I do think that there's a lot of people that are in marriages that aren't very good. So if 50% of the people get divorced, you know, how many of the rest are in marriages that aren't very good and how many of them are in pretty bad marriages? And I think the percentages are a lot higher than we would guess. Yeah. How many people remain in their marriage strictly for the kids? And, And I had a good friend whose wife called me on the QT many years ago and said, so Paul, what are the statistics for children if, um, coincidentally, his name was David too, if David and I get a divorce and I said, wow, you know, it's, it's not really good. And I did all the research. The, the statistics and, of what, Paul? The statistics of? Of what happens, what happens to the kids if parents or when parents get a okay. divorce. And these studies are not like one here, one there. These studies have been going on for 50, 60 years, and they are conclusive. And the kids do not do well. I mean, they get pregnant earlier. They turn to drugs and alcohol. They become promiscuous. Um, They're unstable in school. I mean, you go down the list. The suicide rate is like kids from broken homes, 80% of suicide attempts are kids from broken homes. So they stay together 
And uh, I don't know whether they're still together now as many years ago. But I think that's indicative of what a lot of people do. And and it's unnecessary. Let's go back to the topic. Improve your marriage. Yeah. Because, yeah, how do you improve your marriage? So, yes, you need to learn about marriage because the education is not out there. And, you know, people are prob- who are listening now are probably wondering, well, what am I going to learn? What do you think, David? Should I sort of go down a, a list here? Think, yeah, let's start. Um, let's, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, number one. And and this is very, very important. People think, I will change my behavior to mirror what Paul is saying and or other experts. And I'm going to just flat out and say most experts have no clue. But I'm going to mirror what he's saying in my behavior. And I'm going to tell you right now, that cannot work. The reason it cannot work is because the mind, think of your mind as a computer that runs this software program called habits. And what habits are, are they're the most useful tool we have. I mean, we couldn't walk without habits, but you need to know how to change them. So your thinking currently is not going to just change And it's your thinking that creates the behavior, not your desire to change your behavior. You may use willpower, and for a short period of time, you'll change some of your behavior, but you will slowly slip back into the old behaviors because your behaviors are predicated on your thinking, your very thinking. So, When people take our courses at the Marriage Foundation, guess what is the very first thing we address? It's the mind. We teach people, I teach people, but they have to learn how your mind works. You have to learn how it works. Just like if you were getting a car, you got to know how the car works. And then you have to learn where the controls are. You got to learn how to literally change your habits so your very thinking becomes marriage. So friendly. step one for you is interest is um, how is learn how your mind works. Whereas whereas I yes. think if I went to anywhere else, anywhere else, either online or talk to a psychologist, the first thing they're going to say is communication. And you're, and you're starting from a completely different place, Paul. Well, you know what? It's funny because when I first started this whole thing, which is more than two decades ago, and I used to be a divorce mediator, as you know, and then I started going into helping people, helping couples. And I, too, thought that communication was everything. It isn't. And and why isn't it, to me, is one of the most interesting things about marriage that there is, that Western psychology and all of the experts, all the coaches, ironically completely ignore. And that is love. 
Isn't it fascinating? I mean, love is sort of like an afterthought in marriage. You know, who do you marry? Oh, well, I fell in love with her. I fell in love with him. And so I wanted to marry him. Okay, what is the role of love in your marriage today? Um, I guess it's not really there. And that's the problem. So communication is wonderful. If you're in business with somebody, you need to learn how to communicate. If you want to work through problems with friends, communication is good. If you want to do well at work, communication is healthy. And you do have to learn how to communicate in your marriage too. But it's certainly not number one. And when you do learn about communication, it has to be on that higher level of love. You need to be able to communicate love every time you open your so mouth. So are you saying that are you saying and, that you have to be able to communicate through love by understanding your mind? If you don't understand your mind, then your mind will control you. And and and, and, and it understand. gets in the way of loving your partner or finding love. Yes. So there's a very deep philosophy that I used in in formulating some of our system. And it's about 5,000 years old. And that doesn't mean that because it's 5,000 years old, it's better. There are some things that are 5,000 years old that are not so good. But this happens to be really cool stuff. It comes from India. And they talk about the mind being basically two parts. The manas mind is the psychophysiological part of your mind. It's the part of your mind that is driven by your biology. It's where your body is saying, hey, we have to survive. And your mind is going, I got this baby. Don't worry. We're going to survive. And it does everything to survive. It's very material. And the booty mind and that's not spelled as you think it is. <laughs> it's B-U-H-D-I. The booty mind is connected to the heart. It's a direct link to the heart. And when you're communicating in marriage, that's where all of your thoughts should stem from. All of your feelings should stem from your heart. So, for instance, let's say someone is thinking... God, I wish my husband would stop playing video games. What is wrong with him? Our advice is get rid of those thoughts. You have free will. Just get rid of those thoughts. Maybe he shouldn't, quote unquote, be playing video games so much. But replace that thought with a thought of love. Right at that moment, take advantage of an awareness of your thought being a distraction from the goal of marriage, which is to feel love and change your thought. So do these and, two parts of your mind work against each other or in conjunction with each other? Or how does that, how do they work together? Well, the booty mind, you might say, is the silent voice of God. I mean, your soul is connected to, to God. So is your manas mind, your material mind, working against that? Heck yes. I mean, its whole job is 
to keep you out of love. Your manas mind doesn't want you to feel your infinite existence. And, and this comes to another That's subject. Wild. So it's just so that part of your mind is only concerned with biology, survival, basic your need, your basic right. needs. And, yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't see love as a no. as any part of that. No, love is in the way for that. You know, it's a very selfish part of us, the manas mind. It's greedy. I mean, yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. It's it's always struggling for more material prosperity, a better position of power. It's a very mundane, base, primitive part of ourselves. And it's not a part of ourselves that is part of our true self, because our true self is purity. It's, we're a soul. So if you don't learn why the mind is shielding us from love, then it's all intellectual. But for instance, the way we teach it in the course is we explain thoroughly how the mind is operating and what's influencing it, which which is the biology. You know, it it's fascinating. When when I taught my first batch of psychologists, I think it was in 2010 or 11, and I thought, you know, they're going to understand the mind right away. I'll, I'll just spend, you know, an hour or so on this topic, and then we could move on to more fun stuff. It literally took them weeks before they started to get it, because in the Western psych world, they learned Freudian and Jungian stuff and Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is all false. And it's crazy, but it's enlightening at the same time. So if you want to have a good marriage and you're not having a good, let's talk about your not having a good marriage. Before you go into not having a good marriage, Paul, I just want to ask you one last question about what you were just talking about. Um, you you continued you know in these podcasts to reference the soul, so the question to, yes. the question comes to my mind is does the does the person who 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 wants to improve their marriage have to be religious? Do no. they have to, no? You know, they, and I and I met with a lot of people back in the day. I met with movie actors and actresses and screenwriters and all that because. I was in San Diego, the word got out, and they would drive down to see me. And they were very nice people, but they were not exactly what you would call a religious bunch of people. They tend to be pretty materialistic, if not shallow. Nice people, you know, but not real deep, certainly not religious. However, they recognized that they are consciousness. Because of their art form, they were able to become other people when they were acting. So they recognize that they have control over these parts of them that most people think are them. And I would ask them, I'd say, well, who's doing the controlling here? Who is making this new person? And they go, ah, oh, yeah, 
I said, you could call it anything you want. I call it a soul, and I think that's the right term, but you could call it your individual consciousness, for instance. And I said, well, do I have to believe in God? And I no, you don't have to believe in God. He's still going to believe in you, even if you don't believe in him. Don't worry about that. And, you know, it's not a requisite for having a good marriage, but love is. Love is a requisite for having a good yeah. marriage. Okay. Because if you're not operating, and, and what's more spiritual than love? You can't touch love. You can't touch it with your five senses, right? right? You can't describe it. You can't describe it with your senses. Your senses can't perceive it. Therefore, by definition, it is spiritual because it's still tangible. Who has not felt love? And that feeling is the most real experience anyone ever has in life. And so my thing is, I say, well, don't you want to feel this all the time? And they go, oh, yeah. And I go, no, actually, your modest mind is fighting you on that. And you think about it. When you're feeling really, really deep love, your mind is going, no, 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 let's talk about something else. Hmm. Let's, Let's get out of here. Your mind can't wrap around love because love is infinite. And the mind is finite. Well, interesting, because love is different. Is some, to me, love is somewhat different for what you feel for your spouse in marriage than the love you feel for your children. There's a similarity to True. it, but it's, there is a, there's a difference to it. Big yeah. difference. Well, and I'll tell you what it is. The love you feel for your children isn't voluntary. I mean, you think about it. They're kind of dumped on us. We have these children. Our hearts open up to them. There's no denying that our heart opens up to them. But we didn't know them 10 minutes ago. And now we love them. What's that about? And yet the spouse who we marry, we've, we got to know them. We dis- we decided we're going to love them. It's p- it's the only voluntary expression of love in our lifetime. Isn't that cool? Yes. And your spouse should be totally flattered by yeah. that. I I think you can feel love for friends, but again, that's different than the love you have for your spouse, like or even love for your even that's love right. for your dog or. Chaos. I mean, <laughs> I mean do. you do feel this. That's an easy love. No, but I, it, it is an easy love, especially if you have, <laughs> it's a love without challenge. If you have a golden retriever. But, um, uh huh. Okay. Let's not plug golden retrievers. But, here. um, it's different. It's just there is a, there is a difference in the feeling that you have for your spouse when you do feel love for them. It's really amazing. Isn't it's it amazing. amazing? It, yeah. So, okay. so number one in improving and, your marriage go ahead. is learn about how the mind works. And I think you've done, Paul, I think you've done an outstanding job right here of explaining that. Um, okay, good. But I, I do want you to stop for a second here and just um, plug the Marriage Foundation because I, I, I know that although we're, we're going into this in – you know, you're, you're taking 15, 20 minutes to explain it. I think your program, I know your program goes into a lot more detail of how people can connect to this. So, Yes. Well, thank you. And you must be reading my mind because I was going to, I wanted to plug the Marriage Foundation too. 
So, <laughs> so listeners, if you have a question, you could call in one eight five 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 two seven five eight six three. You'll have a recording. It'll prompt you how to leave your question. We want to hear from you. That's eight five 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 two seven five eight six three. And I'm supposed to do this one more time. 855-527-5863. Sometimes I follow instructions. And we're, prob- you we're probably go- never going to be really good at this part of it, Paul. Um, no. Not good at following instructions. No, or, or plugging the Marriage Foundation. It's really not. It's, it's not what this. It, it, you know, let's face it. The Marriage Foundation and what you started here, Paul, and put together is not something you did to make money. Um, it's not something you did thinking that you'd be plugging it someday. It's something that you did because you wanted to help people. And I know that's the reason you did this. So um, anytime that I, I hear you plug it, I know that's not the thing that's, that's in your nature to do. But, you know, whatever. Right, right. Or or you can write into the marriage. You should definitely go to our website, which is themarriagefoundation.org, and see what we have. You could watch the YouTube videos that we have. There's hundreds of them. Read the articles. There's scores of them. But I I think, David, what you alluded to with the courses that we put together, you could buy my books too, but really the best – the best way to have a phenomenal marriage, and you know, I'm not tooting my own, my own horn here. I'm, I'm just speaking my truth, and that is that the courses are set up to be like I am, goal oriented, and the goals of marriage. There's two goals. One is, and and this is not just smoke. These are real goals and they're attainable. One is to be happier every single day of your life, happier than the day before. And I think that's the purpose of life. What more could you want than happiness? And the other goal is the supreme goal and the supreme achievement of life And it's achievable in marriage, and that is to experience unconditional love, which means also that it has no limit, has no boundary. Literally, I wake up every morning, my mind is blown that I'm with a person with whom I'm sharing love that grows every single hour. Not even every single day, every single hour. And sometimes I can't even look at her because I have so much love for her. I literally fall in love with her constantly. Fall in love. Head over heels in love. And you know what? The people who take the courses, the men, but especially the women, have these same experiences. This is reproducible. And so what I'm sharing is mechanical in nature to achieve the highest achievements of life. What more could you ask for? 
So that's it for the Marriage Foundation. Let's go back yeah, I to think the you, I stuff. think you've described in yourself, Paul, how you can be a 10 out of a 10. I think a lot of people would be very happy to get to the 7 or 8 position in life with their spouse and to feel that love yep. for them every day. I'm, I'm, I don't feel the exact same way you do. I, I, I love Pam, and I, you know it, and, and I know it, mm-hmm. and she knows it. I don't feel exactly the way you do every day with her, um, every hour that it improves. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you this, that I've listened to you enough over the years and talked to you about it and, and use the, use a number of things that you've talked to me about in marriage in my own. And I am, I have to tell you, I'm truly happy every day of the year with Pam. I, I, I truly look at her and go, I just love this woman. I don't feel I don't feel like I improve it every hour of the day. I don't I don't get up in the morning and feel exactly the way you do. But I you know there there's there isn't a morning I I, I wake up and look at her you know laying in bed or sleeping or or whatever or she's up and go how lucky am I to be with her. So so There you go. It whether you strive to be your position as a 10 or my position as lower than a 10 it's, it's, <laughs> okay, not too much lower. It's lower David. than a ten. I I, do, I don't want to put a number okay. to it, but mm-hmm. it's not it's not the ten out of ten that you've just described. But I we're both happy. We're both happy, yes. and we both use on a lot of the things that you've talked about. So I can't say that I've been through your whole course and I've listened to your hundred videos plus videos. I'm, I'm go one more step, one more thing on this, and then I'll get back to your list. I will say this, that, you know, this is my, this is not my first marriage to Pam. We've been married for eight and a half years. I couldn't be happier. But the marriage I had before would have been greatly improved if I had known a lot, yes. if I had known a lot of the things that you've described here. If nothing else, I would have been able to make it through the difficulties with with her, especially having children, mm-hmm. that I wasn't able to, I wasn't able to connect to, wasn't able to figure out. It was just that marriage was so mind blowingly difficult for me, and I just couldn't come to figure out how to improve it, how to get it to a point where it was stable, um, a stable home, stable home for right. the kids, not get divorced, not put my kids through that. So. I kind of see both sides to this. I think I think there is levels for everybody. So you and, and well, yes and yes and no, yes and no. I mean, yes, clearly, but no in that. And and to me, this is the call it the red pill. Yeah, Matrix is one of my favorite movies, and I know a lot of women don't care for it, but it's one of my favorite movies. And the red pill is the reality. And there's a reality that everybody skips in the world. And that reality is that we have free will. And when I'm talking about free will, I ain't talking about choosing between chocolate and vanilla. I'm talking about choosing to not let negativity from whatever source it's coming from, whether it's memories of the past, whether it's traumas from the past, whether it's ideas from the past, whether it's conditioning 
from the past. We have the free will to choose right now the beneficial thought, the beneficial speech, and the beneficial actions that create a future of prosperity, love, and happiness. But we don't talk about free will in those terms, which to me is insane. And I hope you recognize that now too, listeners. It's like, yeah, I have free will. So why would I sit down with a therapist and dwell on my past when I already know what kind of future I want and all I have to do is condition my current thinking to achieve that which I'm seeking in the future and even right now. And that's how you improve your marriage. And that's exactly how you improve your marriage. Yeah, exactly. Don't, Don't concentrate on those bad things that the other person's doing. That's right. Kick those thoughts out. You have that power to kick those thoughts out right now. There's no reason for you to entertain those. Who doesn't have those? Those pop into every single person's head because of the modest mind. You are in a bad marriage, Paul. And I was in what I would absolutely describe as a bad one. Partially created by your bad behavior. Okay. I'll, oh, okay. And, but you, I, I just remember how you just, you just sit there all day long going, what, what just happened? What is going on? Right. And it just starts, yeah. it keeps rolling into your head like, okay, does this never end? And there's this and that. And, and you're thinking, I can't, I can't believe what just happened here. And, what, mm-hmm. and you just keep, it just, all those bad thoughts really start flooding into your head, especially when you're in a bad one. Oh, they snowball. They snowball. And I want to talk to the listeners who are experiencing that right now. Because if you're in a bad marriage, you know, you didn't want to put a number on how good a marriage could be, but I'm going to tell you right now, any number you put on a bad marriage is an illustration of not understanding the power that you have over your free will. Because if you think about it, every argument which is a sort of a highlight of a bad marriage, right? Every argument begins with a nasty expression from one and then the return. If the return doesn't happen, if you gain if you receive a nasty expression and you take it personally and you react, you've just created a train of drama. But if you do not react, or if you react in a positive way, if you ignore the, let's call it an insult. Or the the, the bad behavior. Or the bad behavior, and you raise your mind up to your heart, and you experience the love you have for your spouse, and you react to them, from the heart, everything changes. Everything changes right then and there. 
And it could take, it could take 10 of these in a row before you break the momentum of the negativity on your spouse's part. But that doesn't matter because their behavior does not give you permission to act like an idiot. What I mean by acting like an idiot is being a child. What I mean by that is being reactive. The the sign of maturity is to not be reactive, but to behave in a mature way, regardless of what's happening to you. Regardless, it makes I no I think difference. there's a real tendency, Paul, to fight. You want to fight back. You feel like you've been hit and hit and hit and hit, and you want to fight back. And, and rea- right. the reality is that, I, my reality is that I've, I felt like, like I'm like it's a, I'm a balloon, and and this balloon keeps getting filled with bad stuff and bad stuff, and it keeps getting mm-hmm. filled, and this balloon gets thinner and thinner and thinner, and eventually I just want to I want to fight back, and what you've and what you've so talked, that and what you've talked about I I, guess, mm-hmm. I I don't feel that with Pam she never she just doesn't get mm-hmm. me there, but I just think you know what you're talking about is you 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 just pop the balloon. And, and it doesn't, yes. it's not even there anymore. It doesn't, it's not filling up. Yes. You stop being the balloon. You go into the place of your heart. And there's many techniques that are in the courses that we have and in the books that I've written that help people move forward in this area. But it always goes back to controlling the mind. I mean, let's look at another aspect of the mind. You know, everyone thinks, let's use the kind of an example of what you said. I was attacked. Well, maybe you were not attacked. Mm -hmm. Maybe what happened was the filter that you have on your receptors says you were attacked. But maybe your spouse wasn't attacking you at all. Certainly their intention probably was not to attack you. Probably their intention was just to get their way, get your attention, get you to do what they wanted, but not as an attack. They didn't mean you harm. But the filters that we put in front of or behind our eyeballs, behind our hearing, these filters need to also be changed out because they're usually inaccurate. They're definitely self-defeating. They turn us into victims. We become victims of our own design because we have these filters. Now, a psychologist will tell you, well, what happened when you were a child? Oh, you know, my my sister once went to the movies without me and left me behind and I didn't have any food to eat. And the psychologist, who of course wants to see you next week too, says, oh, you poor dear. You were abused as a child. Well, the mind goes, oh, I've got a great excuse for being a jerk. I was abused as a child. And it rolls with that. And now you're an abused child when what you really should be doing is you should be going, I don't have a past. My past is irrelevant. I only have a future, and I am going to be master over my destiny. 
I'm going to decide that my future is going to be filled with love, laughter, harmony, prosperity, and so on. And to achieve that, I need to behave in this way. I'm not going to be critical of my spouse. I'm going to be very charitable. When they make a mistake, I'm going to be compassionate and understand that that mistake is hurting them. It can't hurt me. Only my mistakes can hurt me. And this is the training we need to improve our marriage. Mm -hmm. You want to be happy? Then don't go to videos for tips. Don't go to articles for tips. Certainly don't read magazines for tips. They just want to pull you in, entice you to light the fire under your curiosity and pretend there's some kind of magic wand out there that this is going to heal your marriage. No, you're going to have to do some work here. But it's all, but, but, but what you describe here, Paul, is, is, is a way that it's all inside you. It, it, it's there. It's all it's inside there. you. It's have there. It. You already yeah. have this inside your, your soul, inside your person, inside who you are. That's right. That's right. And, it, and you're, what you're describing is a way to connect to something different than you'll read anywhere else. And I think it works. I really do. Oh, there's no question. Thousands of people now have taken our courses, many thousands. And there's some who go from having, you know, they're, they're on the verge of divorce. And now their marriage is sustaining itself. And I say, don't do that. Don't settle for that. You can have it all. Go for it. Because, you know, why live like a robot, like an automaton in this world? You could be living in joy. You could be so happy. And and that's what I want people to experience. Everyone's complaining about the world these days, you know. It doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on. The other side is screwing everything up. And I'm saying, so what? You don't live in that world. You live in a very small environment called your mind and your marriage. So the first bubble is your mind. That's your closest environment. Your second closest environment is your marriage. Both of those you have total control over. Total so, you know, you could live in your mind and be miserable. You could walk around complaining about everything. Oh, the world sucks. Or you could go, yeah, the world sucks, but it's not my world. I'm having fun. And your marriage, people live, two people live in a bubble. I call it the sacred space of marriage and that's where soulmates live, in the sacred space of marriage, which you have to create. The other people live as cellmates, not soulmates, because they're fighting with each other, they're picking on each other, they're finding fault with each other, they're blaming each other for their own unhappiness. It's kind of sad when you think about it. 
Well, Paul, I think you've done in in this time period a great job of explaining at least a little bit about how to improve your marriage if you're in a bad one. And to recap, I think you pointed out why my first answer of you just have to try um, is not enough, that you, you really have to start with learning about your marriage, learning how your mind works, learning that there's two parts to your mind that work against each other, um, learning how to connect to the part that finds love. And, and you've also described, I think, in pretty good detail here of how you react to things when things are going wrong in your marriage, especially a different way of doing it than you would hear anywhere else. But I do know that what you've just given in these 45 minutes or so is just a snapshot of what somebody could achieve. And if you are, I, I think if you are having real difficulties in your marriage, if you really think I've got to improve what I have, this is a good start, but there's a lot more detail in what you do in your program. Are you pl- are you asking me to plug no, the uh, marriage I, foundation? I think again? I just I think I just <laughs> did. I, I'm I'm just not great at that either. But um, you know, this is um, I, I'm glad that you get to share your thoughts in this way, in this manner with people. But I know that that your program is a lot more structured than what we're doing here today. It is structured, and it's not just structured for understanding, but it's set up as a process that takes people step by step so that there are tangible milestones. It's not just, oh, you know, and this may happen, blah, blah, blah. But there's tangible milestones. And then the people also have the counselors that they could write to as they're taking the course so that they have that benefit too. If they have a question or if they're stuck or frustrated and need a little support or guidance or a little bit of a better understanding of what's going on. Because it's a new world. Literally, it's a new world to start working on your marriage in a conscious, specific manner. And you can't just jump into it and I get it. You know, most people need the counselors that we that we have. Okay, and Paul, how do they get a hold of you again or the program? So they should go to themarriagefoundation.org and everything is there. They should peruse the website, take a look at the reviews that we have and testimonials. Very powerful stuff. And you know, get familiar with who we are. And if your marriage is on the brink, I hope it's not, then jump right in because the courses are guaranteed. I mean, they you have 90 days, which is unheard of. But, you know, my feeling is, no, you know, why, why should we be afraid to guarantee what we do? Uh, and we're not. So, you know, listeners, call in, please, if you have your own question, the number is 855-527-5863, 855-527-5863. And for our producers, that's 855-527-5863. I hope you enjoyed spending time with David and me. We certainly enjoy spending time with you and hope you'll join us next time. Take care 
and God bless.